Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picata. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for Here to There, where we explore movement from our present reality to the preferred future that God has for us. Well, as some of you may know, um, I worked as an attorney before I transitioned into vocational ministry, and I joined the staff at my church and small groups ministry. But in the several different work environments I experienced as a young lawyer, I really struggled to integrate my faith with my day-to-day work. And I tried to reflect Jesus' values to those around me and in my work, but it was really tough. Um, I was usually the only Christian, or maybe one of the very few Christians, and in these secular environments, faith was not encouraged and often not even respected. Um, It was an uphill battle, and my work life felt really separate and compartmentalized from my home and church life. So when God led me to join our church staff about 15 years ago, one of the things I was so excited about was being part of a work community that loved Jesus, where I could integrate my faith into my work. And I remember the first staff meeting that first week, and I was like, wow, I get paid to pray. Like, how cool is that? They want me to grow spiritually. That's part of my job. It was really awesome. But, you know, most people in our small groups do not work in churches. And many of you are bivocational, so you have your foot in both places. Um, So they have all kinds of jobs and all kinds of places. So how do they partner with what God is doing spiritually in their lives through their work and through their workplaces and how they influence the people that God's put in their life as coworkers, bosses, staff, subordinates, customers, just all of the people that are connected into our work world? And the answer might involve building workplace small groups. In recent years, I've heard more about churches starting to help people launch small groups in their workplaces. And um, when we had the lobby conference a couple of years ago, Saddleback Church uh, was leading this movement with their robust workplace ministries, and they talked about what these small groups were doing in these um, secular places in the marketplace. And so I was just really curious. I reached out to see if we could learn more and explore together how to help our congregation build community and grow spiritually through their work and in their places of work. So my guest for this topic is Ron Kelleher. Ron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, Carolyn, thank you so much. It's a treat to be with you today. Oh, thank you. Well, Ron, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a little unusual and different than our typical guests. Um, Ron worked for Procter & Gamble for 36 years in a whole variety of roles, and then he transitioned into ministry. He earned a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and Theology from Talbot Seminary, and he was ordained as a minister in 2012. He's been serving in various ministries at Saddleback, and you said that was your home church since 1991. That's amazing. Yes, I'm one of the old timers at this point. (laughs) Yes, you were there on the ground, early ground floor, which is so cool to have that kind of longevity and commitment to a local church. Um, That's becoming more rare, unfortunately, with all the people moving around. So that's such a blessing for for Saddleback um, and for you guys. So Ron founded then and led Inspired Leadership Inc., which equips and encourages Christian leaders to live out their faith in the marketplace, as well as cross-work consulting. So your retirement doesn't seem to feel much like a retirement. <laughs> well, Carolyn, to be, to be fair, I did retire uh, it, for about two and a half months between <laughs> the end of my career at P&G uh, in the summer of 2009 and when I started oh. seminary that fall. Wow. Um, so I was, I was officially retired for about 
Seven weeks. <laughs> Seven weeks. Well done. Well, and then Steve probably got a hold of you. Um, so in 2020, uh, Ron became the director of South Peck's Workplace Ministry, um, and he's been serving in that role as a volunteer leader, yes? Yes, uh, yes, volunteer leader. Um, we are, we we're have- so jealous of how Saddleback gets incredibly high-capacity, um, mature leaders to serve as volunteers. Somehow, there's a secret formula, formula for this. Well, I, I tell you, the the uh, woman that I have been working with who actually has been leading workplace ministry, Julie Chung, uh, she is the one that's an expert at bringing people into mm. the ministry. She w- came from another church and came in and was given the responsibility of building the workplace ministry at Saddleback. And, you know, I joined her as just kind of an advisor and consultant because I've been around so long. Yes. And, you know, she just leaned on me and a group of, oh, 15 or 20 other folks in the business community as she started to build up the workplace ministry. And then she did such a fabulous job <laughs> that, that the church promoted her. Yes. And it was well-deserved, and she's doing outstanding work, but that left a little bit of a hole in right. who was going to lead the workplace ministry. And so she asked me to step into the breach and take things over and, and try and keep the ministry going. So that's what I've been doing for the last uh 18 to 19 months. Wow, and really, you got it handed over um, transition just when the pandemic started. <laughs> literally, literally, I'm not sure I would have said yes had I known <laughs> that within a few weeks the pandemic was going to start, but uh, there we are, you know, that was God's plan. Oh, for sure. I think, um, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later because I'd love to hear your insight on how the pandemic has affected the workplace ministry. So we'll get there. But let's start from the top. I, obviously, you have a passion for workplace ministry. You've been in the marketplace for decades. I mean, you have a heart for that. So tell us um, why workplace ministry and groups are such a strategic choice for the church. Like, why does it matter to God? Why does it matter to people? You know, I, it's one of those things that came upon me early as a Christian because uh, I came to Christ as a a working man. I was 27 years old and, Mm. you know, on about my third management assignment uh, when I came to Christ, accepted Christ. and, And as a brand new Christian, I started diving into the Bible and studying like so many do on fire and joining Bible studies. And, and the thing was, I heard a lot of messages about, you know, here, here's your family life and here's how to yes. deal with kids and those kinds of things. But I, I never heard messages from pastors that talked about how do you integrate your faith in the right. workplace? How do you, how do you translate the weekend into the work week? And, and so I asked a few older folks that I knew that were Christians in the workplace. And I said, well, how do you, how do you deal with these things? And they're mm-hmm. like, Deer in the headlights. (laughs) Some of them really had no idea of how to integrate their faith in the workplace. And and what I realized is is that that we were separating out our lives into these two spheres. We have we have a weekend sphere, a Christ-related Christian life mm-hmm. sphere, and we have a work sphere, and they're they're kind of separate. And and so the challenge that I saw in life as a young Christian was how do we bring these two spheres together? Right. How do we totally integrate our faith life into our work life? And I saw 
huge gaps there. And so that became the driving force behind my passion Mm -hmm. to be involved in workplace ministry. So, you know, I started volunteering, you know, with the Saddleback Workplace Ministry several leaders ago (laughs) uh, because there have been several iterations of the workplace ministry at Saddleback. And I've been there for all of these different leaders and the changes and the growth of the ministry over the years. But, you know, one of the things that I, I realized was is that, that honestly, most of us didn't have a good understanding yeah. of the whole concept of workplace ministry. And you ask, why do I think it's a good strategic choice? So let me say, I think, I think there's two incredibly important aspects to that question. First of all, God said work is important to him. Right. And Secondly, as I alluded to in my own life and the lives of others, there's an incredible unmet need. Mm. So mm. first, let me talk about God's work and how important that is. We, we see all the way back in Genesis that God was at work. He created mm-hmm. every day. And at the end of every day of creation, God said, it is good. And in Genesis, in Genesis 2.15, we see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and God says, go and work the garden. And, 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 he, and God commanded them to do this work, and that word in Hebrew for work is abad. And translated elsewhere, that word in Genesis 2.15 that we see as work is also translated worship. Hmm. Our work is to be a form of worship. To God. That's part of the purpose of work is to be worshiped to God. So the purpose of work is is God ordained. It's Mm. to be worshipful. And God also tells us how we are to work. Uh, it's not just that it's worship, but we see in Colossians 3:23 and 4. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord and not for men, for it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So this brings us back to that whole idea that our worship is work. Our work is a form of worship to God, and, and we're to work with all our hearts. Right. Minds and souls as though we're serving the Lord. And, you know, as a young Christian, I got to tell you, there were times I would go to work and <laughs> I never thought of my work as serving the right. Lord. I, you know, how do I do that? It did not make sense to me mm. as a young Christian that work was a form of worship, much less how do you do it with all your heart? So that's kind of the foundation that drove me into the study of why this is so important. And then I think the second reason this is an important strategy, as I alluded to earlier, is there's a phenomenal unmet need. You know, uh, as I said in my own life, pastors have 45 minutes to an hour, maybe some Maybe some <laughs> pastors go a little more than an hour, right. and they're giving a message to people who honestly are primarily in the boat already. Yeah. Primarily, most of the audience in the church is already a Christian, or they're on their road to Christianhood. They're seeking, right? Yes. yes. The difference for us in the workplace is Christians, as you pointed out, you said, I was one of the only Christians, or maybe the only one in, mm-hmm. in the uh, field when you were there. We have 8 to 12 hours a day, five days a week, to be a witness to the world, to people who are not 
primarily in the boat. So there's this phenomenal unmet need of two things. First of all, we have this phenomenal opportunity to witness to an audience that the pastor is not reaching. And we do that through God's ordained worship through our work. So if we approach our work as though it's worship, we will fulfill that purpose of work in the workplace. So that then drove me to, how do we do that? Yeah, you know? and I love how you put those two pieces together. I think if we it, it, we look at work as a form of worship, I mean, not every minute of it. <laughs> That's just, it depends the kind of work you do. Um, <laughs> I think even people in church world work would say, not every minute feels like worship. <laughs> However, the reality is that um, it's been given to us, and it's, it's a gift to be able to work. Um, but then, so you're saying it's both for the participant, the worker, but then also for those who are working, our coworkers and people they're in contact with. So it's a spiritual practice for the individual, but then it, there's the need that they could reach others in evangelism. So it's a twofold purpose, right? Absolutely. We have an opportunity as Christians to fulfill the commandment of God to work with all our hearts, minds, and souls as though working for the Lord. But we also then have an opportunity to participate in the Great Commission by being a witness to the world right. and, and being a light that draws others to the Father through the way we do our work. So that's so I think we would all agree with that. Okay, now let's get to the sticky part. So how do we do this in the workplace? Like what are some types of workplace groups? Um, and uh, yeah, how does that even logistically like work out? Well, in my experience, there are two primary types of workplace groups. There's there's what what I would refer to as in-house or company groups. Mm-hmm. So that would be a group that is being hosted by a single company. For example, Target or Experian mm-hmm. or Ford Motor Company or uh, you know you name it. Any big corporation might decide that they allow a Christian workplace group to meet on premises. Uh, during the work hours, either during a lunch hour or maybe before work, something like that. So there'd be the in-house workplace groups. And then the other primary type of group that I've seen is what I refer to as a functional group. So that would hmm. be like groups of attorneys, groups mm-hmm. of doctors, groups of real estate agents who mm-hmm. band together to be right. able to have a time of worship and examination specific to their field. So okay, they'll that do would be what, like affinity groups, what we would normally yes, call small an affinity group, group affinity. is a great, okay. great way for, to phrase it. So you'd have an affinity group, a functional group that is just attorneys all talking mm-hmm. about legal issues and how does, how does the workplace evolve for legal issues? How do we integrate our faith into the mm-hmm. legal or the medical or, or the real estate, whatever. Okay. So uh, which, uh, which are more popular? Like, do you have more of one or the other? We do. Uh, the the by far the biggest number is in the company type sponsored group. Oh, that's that's counterintuitive. I thought you were going to say the other. Yeah, no. I, I uh, honestly I expected more of the affinity type yeah. group, the yeah. functional group as well when I got into this. But what I found is it's easier for people to form a group if they're within the same workplace. 
just mm. logistically, they all know each other. True. They meet together on a regular basis. They see each other. They they know each other's opportunities and needs. And so it's just easier to come together. Uh, where the functional or affinity groups work well is, for example, with real estate people, um, they oftentimes will have broader meetings where mm-hmm. real estate people from a variety of groups will get together. And then they'll realize, oh, we're a group of Christians. We can all be together and and do a study as real estate agents. Uh, but by far, the, the biggest number are company groups. And within the company groups, I would say there's two or three different models that I've seen. There's, there's the fully sponsored, which is where a company will bless the group. In other words, they'll say, if you form as a group or a club, mm-hmm. we will authorize you within the scope of our workplace. And some wow. of them even provide funding uh, for the group to meet and and wow. dedicate office hours or office facilities. I know a couple of, of companies where they meet during the lunch hour and they're international. Mm-hmm. And so they meet in a boardroom and they have their Zoom thing turned on and, and people from all over the U.S. And, and a few international folks jump in at the same time. Wow. So the companies see the benefit of providing a environment or even resources to help people's um, the group's Christian function, like that—that that so surprises me because I'm already thinking, "Wow, how would that how would that even work?" Because I could see other people going, "Hey, how come they get this and we don't get this?" And I don't know. It's because we live in California. I'm like thinking of all the all the companies. So I'm really surprised. That's wonderful news that companies are doing that. Well, it really is. But to be fair, it's a minority that I see mm. being sponsored in that higher level. Okay. Probably the vast majority are groups that are allowed, but aren't necessarily funded. Mm, okay. So they're allowed to operate and, and for example, use a company facility to do mm-hmm. a Zoom meeting and things like that, but they're not necessarily promoted as a licensed or registered or recognized right, right. club, if you will, but they're allowed to participate. And, yeah. and so they're an above the ground group. And then, not too surprisingly, uh, there are a number of groups who are underground. Huh, they, okay. they meet a little bit in secret. They they purposefully because of the workplace environment and Mm. the antagonism antagonism towards the Christian church meet a little bit underground. So Mm. they, they will meet and build their workplace relationships, but they're careful Mm -hmm. not to cause waves within the company because maybe the company doesn't sponsor any kinds of groups. And so they have to be careful with how they represent themselves to the workplace. Yeah, but then they still get to support each other. I would have loved to have had any of those options when I was working in the marketplace. Oh, um, I would too. Yeah, to, to be able to have that. Okay, so <clears throat> what are what would you say are the strengths and weaknesses of just in general, regardless of what specific type of group it is, what do you think are some of the strengths and weaknesses, Ron, of these groups? Well, I think there's a couple of things that are, are pretty clear in the time that I've been dealing with them, the the strengths are the opportunity to come together and grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge one because, as you know, and many of your audience I know knows that it's a challenge out there in the workplace. When oh, you're sure. a one Christian among 50 <laughs> non-Christians, right. there's a lot of things going on that 
come at you as a Christian, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to stay strong in that environment. And so, being able to come together provides an opportunity for spiritual growth, for reinforcement, for evaluation that helps gird the loins, if you will, to be Mm -hmm. able to continue the battle day to day. So there's that aspect of it. And then the second aspect of it is, honestly, it's our witness. It's our ability to be that light on the hill that brings others to Christ. I I had an opportunity late in my career to ha- uh, as a Christian, and you know, I didn't make a big display of my faith, but people saw a Bible mm-hmm. on my desk. They knew that I read my scripture during the lunch hour and so on. And there were a few other Christians in the workplace, but there was a young woman who was from Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. was Muslim. And she was struggling with her faith, and she had a lot of questions, and she'd been in the United States for several years, and she knew about Christianity, but she didn't know anything about Christianity. Mm. So, as she's struggling with her Muslim faith as a woman in America and in the workplace, she came to me and started asking questions about, what is it that's different about Christianity? How are you different? How can you deal with these challenges and these issues? And it was an opportunity for me to then share the faith with her in a way that that was not over the top, but it, it, it's not like you're evangelizing on the street. You're letting your light shine and letting someone come to you with questions so that you can then unfold the mystery of Christ before someone as they need it. Well, and there's high accountability too, because unlike the person on the street where you're just one and done, like they're seeing your life day in and day right. out, the kind of boss you are, how you deal with ethical situations. I, I think the accountability being so high either um, gives credibility to the witness <laughs> or perhaps can distract from it. But certainly I think that's partly why I think there's some reluctance on some part of some Christians to bring faith into the workplace because you don't want to be necessarily held responsible to people perceptions of what they think Christians are or aren't. You know, that is that is so true. We, um, we actually had an opportunity to do a study to address that issue of why is it if there's this great unmet need that we don't see more Christians willing to step out in faith in the workplace? And Saddleback had an opportunity to join in doing a research project with Rydell Strategy, who happens to be owned by uh, the Rydell uh, husband and wife. And Barnaby and Alyssa volunteered to provide this extensive strategy to Saddleback Church to help answer this question question. And and it was a combination of both qualitative and quantitative data. And so, they surveyed over 7,000 small group hosts Mm -hmm. for the quantitative part of the study. And then for qualitative, they actually interviewed dozens of people Mm -hmm. to get qualitative data. And their findings between the quantitative and the qualitative uh, it it brought to life everything we we believed about what was going on, mm-hmm. but gave us a, a, a an undergirding a, that yes, this is absolutely right. Right. what is happening. And and so part of what they found was ninety five percent of Christians in the workplace said, "Yeah, 
integrating the faith in the workplace is really important. We should be doing that. <laughs> okay. 80, 95% said that, but then 85% said, yeah, but we feel like we're winging it. We really don't yeah. know what we're doing. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> and because they don't know what they're doing, then 75% said they were very cautious mm. about integrating their faith in the workplace, of even letting anybody know that they were Christians for fear that uh, someone would misunderstand them. 60%, yes. in fact, said, we don't make yes. a show of our Christian faith in the workplace because we're afraid that we'll do it wrong, that we'll be perceived badly, yeah. Yeah. Um, or that there will be some kind of repercussions. Yes, yeah, some backlash, for sure, especially backlash in our, our in the climate. Yes. Absolutely. So, so we start at the top of the funnel. 95% of the people we surveyed <laughs> said, yeah, we ought to be out there doing this. And then we get all the way down to 75% said they're afraid to do it. Yeah. And 60% of them said, yeah, we're afraid to do it because we're afraid there'll be some right. kind of repercussions or we'll just plain do it wrong and we'll turn right. people off. And they don't want to be responsible for turning right. someone away from Christ. So instead, they withdraw mm -hmm. and they don't put their faith out. And so how do you how do you overcome that challenge, Ron? Well, the, I think the that's, answer is and the drum roll. The answer is drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. You know that's why mm -hmm. with the Saddleback Workplace, uh, <laughs> we we established uh, a set of uh, tactics. And you know, if you know anything about Saddleback, you know we like our acronyms. Oh yes. Oh yes. So <laughs> so we not to not to be left out. Saddleback Workplace has an acronym called Works, and this is our <laughs> tactical strategy to reach the workplace. So the W is we wear our faith. So hmm. this is. Not necessarily a button on your jacket or your lapel, <laughs> but it's a way to softly signal your faith in the workplace. It might be just having a post-it with a Bible verse, or it might be a little plaque on your desk that has a Bible verse, mm -hmm. or it, it might be when someone asks you, hey, what did you do this weekend? You say, oh, we went to church and, and we heard this great message about fill in the blank, and you don't have to like then deliver the sermon yourself. <laughs> you just let them know that right, that's right. part of your life and that you're not embarrassed. It's like low-hanging fruit. Share that little part. So that's yeah. kind of the where your faith. It'd be like having a little coffee mug that says, Jesus is my king, or you know, <laughs> simple little things that just signal the fact that you're a Christian without being in someone's faith about it. Okay. And then the second thing that we do is we have what we call online resources. So that's the O in works. And that is the Saddleback Works website. So if you go to saddleback.com slash works, you'll see this robust website. Oh, that yeah. The technical people at Saddleback helped us build. And the whole point there is to help you, if you're the Christian in the workplace, minister to co-workers in their moment of need. So mm -hmm. we did some studies with insurance companies and found the 12 major crisis pain points in most people's lives. <laughs> Marriages, divorces, retirements, deaths, yeah, all yeah. these kinds of things are major pain points. And people in the workplace have a tendency to bring that into the workplace and they talk about it. Well, how do you as a Christian respond when your coworker comes in and says, you know, my grandfather, my 
spouse, right, my right. best friend just passed away. Well, we have these resources where you can go and you can click on the resources and there's all kinds of information to help you mm-hmm. guide a discussion through that pain point with these individuals from a Christian perspective. That's great. So it, that's the online resources. And then third, uh, the R is reach your colleagues, which is finding ways for us to learn ourselves. How do we, how do we give our testimony? How is it, mm. how can we provide our testimony in the workplace? you know, in a way that makes sense. So again, it's not an in-your-face thing, but it's when someone comes to you and asks a question about your faith or asks a question about how do I deal with this situation, you have an opportunity. There's there's a bridge that's wide (laughs) open built just for you to cross if only you know how. So we've got some resources there to help you build this bridge, a relational bridge, to be able to discuss this is how I dealt with that situation mm-hmm. as a Christian in the workplace. Right. So you prepare yourself beforehand before beforehand. the situations come up. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have the reach your colleagues resources. And then what we call the Kindle community. So, you know, the Kindle <laughs> is this wonderful tool that we yes. can just pop open and find all the information that we need in a book or something like that. And so what we want to do is try and build a community in the workplace of people that have similar interests in Christianity and sharing their faith in the workplace. And so how do we support each other as Christians in the workplace? So we want to be able to help them understand how can I go forward? What would be the next step for me as an individual? So on the, on the website, you'll find a short little quiz that's just like 10 or 12 questions based on your personality and then some suggestions. With your kind of a personality, it might be easy oh, for nice. you to fill in the blank. Maybe you're an outgoing person. It might be easy for you to invite someone to coffee, mm-hmm. and that might be the bridge to sharing your faith. You might be the kind of person that has a different kind of personality. So for you, sharing a coffee might be intimidating because right, you're not, right. but you might have another style. And so there's a, a group of suggestions there for how can you, with your personality, share your faith in in a God-glorying way. And and then the other thing that we try to do is we've hosted several workshops, uh, which were put on hold because of the pandemic. But uh, we did it, I think, four times before the pandemic, where we're putting beta tests together of these workshops that will literally, over two hours, help people learn how to share their faith in different ways. So again, it's how do we build Mm -hmm. these relational bridges with people, and then based on an issue or a pain point that somebody tells us, how do we then reach into our own library of stories and relate our Christian faith relative to the pain point that they might have? Hey, all you hardworking small group point people in the trenches, Jason Banzoff here, interrupting Carolyn and Ron for one moment to bring you some very exciting news. The Small Group Network is very excited to present the Fall Virtual Lobby on October 7th. Our biggest and most popular event of the year is now going to be a virtual event this fall. 
The theme for the conference is leadership and will feature main session speakers Bill Donahue, Dave Alford, and more. We will be hosting over 10 breakout sessions, all of which will be available on demand following the live event for registered attendees. Come ready for world-class leadership development, amazing breakout sessions, and plenty of discussion and Q&A time, and a chance to make some great new friends. Check out our Facebook group or visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash virtual lobby. That's right, smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash virtual lobby to register. Now back to Carolyn and Ron on Here to There. Wow. Okay. That was, it's such a, uh, in some ways, such a simple pathway. I mean, it's basically evangelism 101, you know, building relationships, being, uh, looking for those opportunities. It's relational evangelism is, is a lot of kind of what it sounds like, but in the work context, it, it seems more, um, Risky, maybe, because again, you're going to see these people, and if they're your boss, or you know, if that has more repercussions down the road. Like, I think um, if you're a church and that has not done any workplace stuff, how do you kind of um, equip or encourage people to start thinking of their work as a mission field like that? Wow. Okay. So, I think there's there's probably three easy steps to think about. Uh, how we can get started. So, the the first thing, if if you want to build a workplace environment in the in the church that you're in, um, you know you don't you don't start off trying to run a five k. You know, there's <laughs> uh, as as Steve Gladen likes to say, there's crawl steps, oh yes. walk steps, and run <laughs> steps. Yes, and so the crawl step. If you're if you're a church and you agree that there's an unmet need in your congregation to explore this idea of integrating your faith in the workplace, then maybe you start with a, a crawl step, and and that might be e- either you have a pastor who has a heart for it, or you may have a business person who has a heart for it and will step in and be the designated leader that so will start you, so you the start process. So start praying for Iran is really what you do. <laughs> start praying for God to, to highlight Iran in your, in your body that has a passion for this. You really do. You need somebody that will have an overwhelming desire to see workplace integrated Mm-hmm. Faith integrated into the workplace. Yeah. So you, you you need somebody, be it a pastor who has this this passion, or someone in the business world that has this right. passion, and from that individual, create a lead team. This is what Julie did when she first arrived and and was the workplace director. She created, as I said, this team of ah, fifteen to twenty business executives who she artfully brought in and said. Mm-hmm. You're an executive as an attorney. You're an executive in a real estate business. You're an executive in a bank. You're an executive in fill in the blank. And she brought this advisory board together and she just open slate said, how do we reach the business community? Mm -hmm. What should we do? And as they started speaking into that opportunity, all of these men and women had different perspectives of how to go about it. And Julie then synthesized that all into the work that we originally did that is now displayed in the Saddleback.com Works website is all fundamentally from the work she did in her first 
18 months or so as the director. So it's getting that person with a lot of passion mm-hmm. and then establishing what I would call a lead team or an advisory right, team to right. help guide you. It has to be specific to your church and your community. Yeah. You know, just because it works in Orange County doesn't mean that the same right. model will work in Minneapolis or Atlanta right, or Georgia. Maybe right. a lot of similarities, but you need to create it unique to your environment and to your culture and, right. and let that drive some of it. So you have to have that. And then I would say it would be really helpful if you have a little bit of administrative support because mm. as you start to build things, you're going to need people to come alongside and support. It might be technical support. It might mm-hmm. be audiovisual support, <laughs> but... If, if there are things that you want to build, you have to have a commitment from the church to supply some resources to make it grow. Right, right. So you have to have that, that foundational support for the ministry in order to really get it off the ground. So that's the crawl step, what I would say. Um, then I think the walk step is to beta test some of these ideas mm, with right. some of the more mature business people that you might have already in your congregation. You know, Rick, Pastor Rick hosted an evening where he said, hey, all you business people come out on a (laughs) Wednesday night and I want to talk about faith in the workplace. Wow, we must have had 2,000 people that showed up and and Rick delivered a message from the heart about how important he believes it is Mm -hmm. for us as Christians to integrate our faith in the workplace. And we had hundreds of people who signed a little card and said, hey, Count me in. I want to be part of this movement. I want to Mm. learn how to do this. So these are some of those 95% that said, hey, I think this is important. But they were willing to take the next step to get past this fear that I'm going to do it wrong and step across the line and say, I want to learn how to do this so that I can be an effective minister of the gospel in the workplace. So you guys recruited um, leaders like you would in a normal small group campaign. We did. I think a lot of the recruitment process is very similar that you would for a small group host for anything else. It's just you need to be able to prepare them for the differences that exist Mm. in being a small group host in a workplace as opposed to a family group. Right. Same thing with coaches, I think. If you're coaching workplace groups, um, there's a different set of things to look for. And I would imagine curriculum might be more of a challenge, too, because there's probably not a lot of stuff out there related to workplace ministry. Oh, Carolyn, that is so true because, you know, again, most of the content that is delivered from the the church is going to be curriculum designed to hit the biggest part yes. of their congregation. Yes. So basic discipleship, family, marriage, etc. Right. And yeah. and it's all great material, right. but it is pretty generic in its application and and yes. if it leans one direction, it leans towards a, uh, an application in the family unit. Right. It's not true. surprising. This is right. the bulk, after all, <laughs> of what, what the pastors are preaching about is they're they're right. preaching to us as individuals in family units. So, the small group host in a workplace needs to be able to either develop content on their own Mm -hmm. within their own church that's specific to the workplace, 
or they need to adapt what yes. they get from the church to say to fit right how do we how do we fit this into the workplace so there there might be a, a sermon uh, series um, on well Rick did uh, Pastor Rick again did a series er- earlier just as the pandemic was breaking called open doors mm-hmm. so how do we open doors to people mm-hmm. and invite them in and bring them into the church and, and so it's a long series so it's about that but hey if you're a small group host and you're in a workplace all you have to do is change some of the words yes. in the series and say, how do we do this in the workplace? Right. Have how, a spirit how of do hospitality. Do? How do you? Yeah. So a lot of it is really relatable, but you, someone would have to tweak it. You do. And so that's one of the, one of the drawbacks, if you will, of, mm-hmm. of the workplace environment is you need to have hosts who have the ability to make those workplace tweaks that that mm-hmm. care enough about it that right. say, yep, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this fit for my workplace so that it's relevant to the workplace. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, so, Ron, I want to. I wish I had all this stuff back when I was in the marketplace. Um, <laughs> just, Me too. <laughs> that would have been really handy. But look, at you get to use your experience this way. Nothing is ever wasted with the Lord. So there's Amen. that. So my final question for you, um, since you did take on this role at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there's been just you know just a couple minor things different about <laughs> the workplace. <laughs> there's a lot of hybrid workplaces um, in, here for us in California. And there's we're still a long ways from being fully back. So what have you noticed? or any adaptation you've had to make in the workplace ministry to uh, respond to kind of the changes due to the pandemic? Right. Well, this, uh, this, the changes seem to come slowly at first, and then we stabilized, and then more changes seem to come along with time. So, initially, the workplace groups I found were like ducks in the water mm-hmm. when all of a sudden they had to start meeting via Zoom. Because yeah. so many people in the workplace, if you're a larger workplace, you're already used to doing right. audiovisual stuff. That's true. Whether it's Zoom or some other right. format, you're, you know, that's not a big deal to the workplace people. So they're like, yeah, absolutely no problem. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And so they actually grew. Wow. During those initial stages of of the pandemic. Then what I saw was as the pandemic went on and the restrictions mm-hmm. grew greater and greater. Yeah, yeah. people and, got tired. <laughs> oh, people people were suffering from Zoom fatigue. Right. So it was one thing when you were on a workplace Zoom call for an hour once a week, but all of a sudden people were spending four or five yes. hours a day on yes. Zoom and they just they struggled to keep up. Mm-hmm. I mean, relationally it's really hard to build right. community right. in a Zoom environment when somebody's miles right. away. Yeah, um, It's better than plain phone call, but it's still a huge struggle. And so what we saw was, again, because content was difficult to come by and because people were suffering from Zoom fatigue, we found a lot of businesses starting to close down their workplace groups. Mm. And, and the, uh, uh, you know, the, thinking about it, the other thing that happened at the same time was 
lot of businesses closed their doors. Yeah, especially we the had, smaller ones. Yeah, we had a lot of small businesses that just said we can't survive this, um, yeah. or they cut back so significantly on hours that people were let go. And sometimes it was people that were leading the the, the groups. The groups. Yeah. If if I can share a story sure. oh, with please. you, there was one young woman in a group, um, and she was a Saddleback member leading a a, a workplace group. She was one of two or three Christians in a group of about 10. And so most of the people in her group were not Christians. Mm -hmm. And she led two of them to Christ in her group wow. because people were in pain during the mm -hmm. pandemic. And so they were looking for answers. So in the beginning, that's why I say groups grew because people were coming together to find out how can Christians be different? They're, mm. they're better right now. And so she led a couple of people to the Lord and a couple of other people recommitted their lives to Christ as oh, a result of being in her group. And then because the company was small, they laid her off. Oh. <laughs> and then the group had no leader. Well, mm. She was such a committed leader. She kept leading the group, even though she was no wow. longer an employee. The employees that were left would would send her the Zoom link, and she'd <laughs> join them and kept leading that. the group, even though she had left wow. the company. And then she got rehired by another company, started a group there, and kept leading the other group from the other wow. company. So there are there are folks out there that have a driving passion to do this, That's and will great. do it no matter what. But there's others that just felt so much pain that it yeah. caused the groups to slow down. So that happened, you know, kind of in the middle stretch of the pandemic. And now what I'm seeing with some of the restrictions lightening mm -hmm. is I'm starting to hear from small groups, hey, you know, we're starting to go back to work. We're starting to feel reinvigorated. Right. We want to start reconnecting. People are missing this social connection, the one-on-one mm. -on -one individual connection, the relational yes. stuff so much that when they finally get in the workplace, they want to be able to come yes. together and celebrate in a time of worship in the workplace. And so now groups are growing a little bit again. Yeah. What scares me, Carolyn, more than anything <laughs> is now we're hearing rumblings yeah. of this Delta variant causing, you know, people to have to hang back again. change course yeah. again. So yeah. I, I don't know what the future holds, but based on what we've been through, uh, I think the folks know what to anticipate this time. Mm -hmm. Honestly, as we move into the fall, I think that we're going to see a resurgence of the groups. There's more groups that are going to start to build and, and groups that are there will start to grow again because I think people are desperate for that connection right. again. You know, it's interesting as we we talk, Ron, is that, you know, initially with this topic, I thought this is so different than the typical small groups. But um, in our conversation, it's actually not. There are a no. lot of similarities. So I want that to be an encouragement to our listeners that if you oversee um, your regular typical small groups, what Ron's describing is not that different. And you already know how to do a lot of these things. It's, it's just adapting it to the workplace um, model. And and, um, you know, and with some of these ideas and stuff, and I think the pandemic, yeah, we're going to be on this ride for a while. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. But I think you're absolutely right, Carolyn. It is not that much different. It just takes people that have a passion yes. for it and yes. a willingness to do the extra work that's required to adapt it to the workplace environment. 
Yes. Thanks. Oh, thanks so much, Ron. It's really helpful. And I think for our listeners, um, we'll just pray that you all find a Ron in your congregation. <laughs> Ask God to bring one. And I love the pacing too. I, I, what I'm hearing you say, Ron, is just, just to take your time and find the right person that has the passion and the heart to want to shepherd people in their workplaces and then kind of, um, you know, build it as you go as God leads um, the people into the ministry. Any final thoughts? Well, I think you've summarized it very well. I think that's absolutely critical that you that you build it uh, based on what your congregational needs are. You're mm-hmm. in a position to know what the folks in your congregation need. And so, if you find the person that can lead it with the passion, let them do it. Give, give them the authority and then get out of their way and see what God can do in the workplace. Yes. Amen. That's so great. Um, thank you so much, Ron. Um, there's a ton of free resources on Saddleback's website, saddleback.com slash works. And it's a beautiful website, by the way, with uh, so much content, Julie and the team, and you guys did a, a great job on that. Um, so I would point you there and I'm sure there's a contact info for Ron on there somewhere as well. There is. There is. <laughs> so you can, anybody that wants to can reach out to me at Ron. K R O N K at saddlebackvolunteer.com. I can't believe you're a volunteer. That's so awesome. That's like the best. Ah, Steve is so blessed. Um, so thank you, Ron. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you, Carolyn, for having me today. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you all for listening to Here to There. And until next time, remember we are better together. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.